0: Hey everybody, Pastor Joe here. Welcome to the second episode of 2022, uh, which is appropriate because today we are uh, launching our 2022 vision series called One Small Thing. Uh, This is going to be the mantra that uh, guides uh, who we are for this calendar year here at the United Methodist Church. Um, We're excited because we feel like we're being invited into what God is doing and that each one of us has the capacity to do one small thing and a lot of one small things will work towards transformation in our lives, in our communities even the world. Today we uh, start this series by looking at Exodus 1 uh, the two Hebrew midwives uh, Shipra and Pua who uh, defy the Pharaoh's orders Um, and so uh, check it out. On December 1st 1955 in Montgomery, Alabama, Rosa Parks sat on a bus. She would go on to be called the first lady of the civil rights movement and the mother of the freedom movement. She would go on to be the first woman to lie in honor at the Capitol Rotunda upon her death in 2005, but on that day, she sat on a bus. Now like most people, Ms. Parks got off of work in the early evening and began to commute home. She sat in the section designated for people like her in the back behind the rows reserved for white people. As the bus continued on its route, more and more people got on the bus, and by the third stop, the seats reserved for the white people had filled. And you know how the rest of the story goes. The driver, upon seeing two or three white passengers standing in the aisle, stopped the bus and demanded that the row of black passengers give up their seats so that the white passengers could sit. Rosa Parks sat on the bus. Now, Ms. Parks wasn't the first person to not give up her seat. Bayard Rustin refused in 1942, Irene Morgan in 1946, Sarah Louise Keys in 1952, Claudette Colvin, Aurelia Browder, Susie McDonald, and Mary Louise Smith not even seven months prior to that day, and yet it was this specific act that led to the 381-day boycott of the Montgomery bus line. Because of this bold act by Ms. Parks, almost 40,000 people would refuse to ride the buses and find alternative transportation, carpooling, riding black-operated taxis, walking some as far as uh, 20 miles. In the following year, the Supreme Court upheld a previous ruling that Alabama's racial segregation laws for buses were unconstitutional, and on December 20, 1956, the boycott came to an end when the city passed an ordinance authorizing black bus passengers to sit anywhere on a bus. And from that moment on, our country would never be the same as the civil rights movement would gain momentum and, and strides would be made towards racial equality. Later, in an interview with the uh, National Public Radio, uh, Rosa Parks would recall, she says, I did not want to be mistreated. I did not want to be deprived of a seat that I had paid for. It was just time. There was an opportunity for me to take a stand to express the way I felt about being treated in that manner. I had not planned to get arrested. I had plenty to do without having to end up in jail. But when I had to face that decision, I didn't hesitate to do so because I felt that we had endured that too long there was an opportunity for me to take a stand. Hmm. I don't know about you, but I've been doing a lot of reflecting these past few days as we've entered this new year. Perhaps it's because of the year that was. 2021 was supposed to be the end of COVID. We were supposed to be making progress towards equity and equality and justice and diversity onward towards a cleaner and more sustainable world. And instead, we we started last year with an attack on the U.S. Capitol. We're still fighting about masks. We're fighting over vaccines. We're navigating Omicron and, and the impacts to our communities. We're recovering from deadly natural disasters all over the world. At times, if I'm honest, most of the time, I'm overwhelmed thinking about the ways of the world and if 2022 is going to be any different. I'm overwhelmed by the brokenness and the hurts in the world around us. I'm overwhelmed thinking about how we are going to solve the world's problems. And then I remember, we don't have to. Our purpose here is becoming Christ in the community. And if we lean into that purpose, if we take the opportunities offered to us to take a stand, if we keep on keeping on, step by step, doing our part, actively engaging in one small thing I trust, that the God who is still at work in the world will see us through and move us towards transformation. Amen, somebody? So that's our 2022 theme. One small thing. For these next four weeks, we'll turn to stories in Scripture where people did their one small thing, only to see that God transforms the whole world, that all would come to know that abundant love. And today we start in Exodus 1. And we find that generation after generations of living in peace with the Egyptians, the Israelites are now oppressed and enslaved, and the Israelites are now in bondage and hear this they're in this situation because the society in which they live is in and of itself oppressed and enslaved and in bondage listen again to these words it's from the voice bible this time and it says one day a new king came to power and ruled over egypt but this king had no knowledge of joseph he said to some of his advisors look there are more israelites than ever before and they are growing more powerful than we are we need to be careful in our dealings with them otherwise they may grow even greater in number and in a time of war they may join forces with our enemies fight against us and then leave the land see The bondage of the Israelites is directly tied to this new king's fear of the other and his own anxieties of losing power. This new king, this this new pharaoh cannot imagine a world in which power does not reside with him. He does not know, he does not remember Joseph who once saved Egypt from the destructive famine that came across their land. Instead, this new king sees the other as a potential threat to his power and to the societal order that gives him that power. And it's in that fear. It's through that fear he spreads more fear so that the Egyptians now see all the Israelites with fear. Fear compounds. Fear builds and builds, and and fear forces us to other one another, to, to hate one another. Another, fear forces us to make decisions and take actions that seem to protect me and my own, but instead are simply tools to keep the other down, to keep the ones we fear and in turn hate from rising up. And this is what happens in our text. This new pharaoh oppresses the Israelites with with forced labor. With, with imposing uh, uh, tasks, and even with these policies that kill. He commands these Hebrew midwives, Shipra and Puah, to, to go about their work, but, but if the child being born is a boy to kill him, while if the child is a girl to let her live. Can you imagine what you might do If you were in their situations, how would you respond to unjust laws, to policies that were intended to take life as opposed to give it? Or more directly, how do you respond to such laws and policies? We know how the midwives respond. They do not do as the king of Egypt commands them, but they let the boys live. What I'm interested in and what I love about this text is that it tells us exactly why they did what they did. Go with me again to verse 17. It starts, but the midwives feared God. The idea of fear is so interesting to me. What does it mean to fear God? God, for, for some, fear might mean how we are afraid of something bigger, stronger, more powerful, so powerful to be dangerous, but, but I'm not sure if that's what's happening in our text here. You see, if we are talking about fear solely as the emotion that's caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous or likely to cause pain or a threat, then what the text is doing is setting up for us a hierarchy of fear. Who will the Israelites, who will these Hebrew people fear more, God or Pharaoh? But that comes later. That comes much later when one of these boys that's supposed to be tossed in the Nile grows up to be Moses and faces off against the magicians of Egypt's core. That's later. For now, what happens with these Hebrew widows is that we know that they know their God is a God that created the heavens and the earth. That their God journeyed with the ancestors before them that their God made with them and their ancestors a covenant to love them, to guide them, to be with them, and it's this God that they fear. It's this God of love that they fear. Or in other words, this God of love that they revere, that they're in awe of that they honor, that they respect, and I'd like to believe that it is because of their faith in this God that they are able to challenge the powers that be. I'd like to to think that they understood that the way of God is not one of unjust laws that lead to death, but their God leads to life and life abundant. It's precisely because of their commitment to this God of love that they are able to go directly against Pharaoh, refusing to obey his commands. You know, Desmond Tutu once said that there's nothing more radical, nothing more revolutionary, nothing more subversive against injustice and oppression than the Bible. There's nothing more radical, nothing more revolutionary, nothing more subversive against injustice and oppression than the Bible. But I wonder if it's possible that we've gotten too comfortable in our faith. That we've allowed culture and society to shape our values and not the other way around. Look, I I know that this doesn't happen overnight. That there's only so much that each one of us can do to shape values, to shape culture, to truly make a difference in the world. But I wonder what kind of transformation we might see if we all did one small Later in today's service, we're going to share with you some of the ways that you can do one small thing. This week, specifically, following in the legacy of Shipra and Pua and speaking out in the halls of power. And I really hope you take this invitation seriously, this this invitation to live into your faith. I want to see transformation in our lives, in our world, in our communities. I hope you do, too. And so may our faith compel us, maybe even propel us to action. And may God bless each one of our one small things so that all might come to know God's abundant love. Amen? Let's pray. God, we give you thanks for this new year, for this opportunity to reflect to remember the ways that you have been faithful to this point and to call on your faithfulness again and again as we look to the ways that you are leading us into the future. Grant us the boldness and the strength and even the courage to live into your call, to participate in that one small thing that you're placing on our hearts, that you are nudging us towards, and may, through the power of your Spirit, we be the people you call us to be. For it is in your holy name that we pray. Amen. All right, so that was our first sermon in our 2022 Vision Series, One Small Thing. Um, I really hope that there was something in there that inspired or challenged you. Uh, Here at Bothell, we are inviting and encouraging everyone to live out their One Small Thing this week uh, by contacting their legislator. Um, For us, uh, we're part of what's called Faith Action Network here in Washington State. We're also supporting the Poor People's Campaign. And so to go on their website to find uh, things that we can sign on to around issues and concerns uh, that we care about and that we can uh, lend our voices and uh, be part of the movement towards God's justice. And so I want to invite you to do the same. Um, uh, If you follow us on social media, uh, we'll have tips and ways for you to get involved that way. And next, week we're going to come back and we're going to look at a story in 2nd Kings uh, with a widow um, and how the community surrounded her and we're going to take another look at another way uh, we can be doing our one small thing hope you have a wonderful wonderful week and we'll talk to you soon